Can I say won't give it up? Kevin Tagney, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> nice to see you. Thanks. Thanks for having me and good I'm, to see you. Yeah, good to see you, brother. Um, all right, so I did a little Facebook research on you mm-hmm. and realized that I was looking at where you went to high school and I thought, oh, maybe he's from Phoenix, but it turns out you grew up outside of Portland. Yeah, a little suburb. And can you recollect some early musical memories like what what music was playing in in the crib or maybe maybe you know a, a first concert that really was inspiring or a record that was inspiring that kind of got you into music yeah so um i think the the first memory of any sort of music i have is is the star wars films mm. uh and you know john williams is I think when he was writing his own music, he, he, mm. it was, it was fantastic. Um, and so I had like a, like a fairly sort of light classical background. Um, there's also lots of Neil Diamond playing mm. in my home mm-hmm. and then like, same. Yeah. Um, some like occasionally some Steppenwolf, um, and Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry. That's all good. So lame. No. That sucks. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna make sure that doesn't happen again. Oh, amateur hour over here. I'm so sorry. It's all good. All right, you wouldn't be the first, and you certainly won't be the last, okay. homie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then and then lots of um, sort of new agey solo piano like i'm not if you are familiar with the artist george winston oh sure yeah his um his seasons thing yeah yeah like that was like in regular no kidding yeah Yeah. i remember that i mean that was a great record yeah i was really into that record yeah 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 but this it's you know for for, it's not like the most sophisticated thing in the world but like you know, we would go camping a, a lot. We'd like bring this little RV up to like um, like Mount Rainier uh, yeah. twi- twice a year, and and like that would my parents would always like have like a tape of uh-huh. that like playing in the in the trailer, and yeah, it was, just, it was like sort of nice mood music. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. So uh, siblings, yeah, I have a sister. So okay. we're we're both adopted. Mm. Um, yeah, I was adopted when I was nine days old. Uh, from Portland, and my sister uh, was adopted when she was ten months old, and she was adopted from South Korea. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. And is she also musical? No, she. I mean, sort of. She. I don't. She doesn't really play anymore. But she in in high school she played saxophone and mm-hmm. had a lot of fun doing that. And but, so, I guess were your were your folks supportive of music Su- supportive yeah but not they weren't players not real my mom t- like took i have some memories of my mom taking um like a few piano lessons hmm. um but they were like real supportive we we had a piano and i started plinking around and, mm-hmm. and they're like oh let's get you some lessons and mm-hmm. yeah so i started i think when i was in second grade playing with piano, piano. yeah and did you do like the band thing, the high school band thing? Yeah. So when did you get to trumpet? Uh, in sixth grade, we moved here my my sixth grade year, uh, and I wanted to play French horn because John Williams wrote like these beautiful French horn lines, and I yeah. wanted to do that. And so I showed up at the music store, and guy pulls out a French horn, and I was like, 
maybe 65 pounds soaking wet and i was like well do you have anything that sounds like that but smaller and he like pulls out a trumpet and i was like smaller and he pulls out a cornet which is like a smash trumpet right and i was right, like right. yeah perfect so yeah. for the first six months i played cornet and then my band director was like you got to you got to play a trumpet, so that's what because I, what I there was there was no sheet music for cornet or no. I mean, it's essentially it's it's it, it plays the exact same. It's, it's same transposition, whatever. It's just um, in in modern American um, education and in in band, it's trumpet is the instrument, and cornet mm. is sort of an older old fashioned thing that is used sometimes in wind ensembles. Mm. It's just yeah. It's mm-hmm. a it's a more mellow sound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you were already playing when you moved to Arizona. Uh, playing piano. Playing piano. Yeah. And then when I got to Arizona, the first year I was here, I I started playing trumpet in the band. Yeah. And so you did. I'm assuming, like concert band, marching band, right through yeah. through grade school, rest of grade school and high school. Yeah. And trumpet as the primary instrument yeah. at that point. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any memories uh, of maybe some some early uh, band uh, memories of, of of jazz band or or concert band or like what was inspiring at that at that time? Yeah, I um, th- my middle school band director, his name is Russ Capri, and he um, when he was playing, he was like one of the most demand uh, like lead trumpet players in the nation. Um, hmm. Like he went out with Bobby Caldwell for years hmm. uh, and just like, didn't want to live in LA or New York. Hmm. And, and, and so, and he had this like fat gig with a pension teaching middle school band where he didn't, he didn't have a lot of time um, requirements outside of the, of the school day. So hmm. he would gig hmm. and he did all the shows here and, um, and he he like he would have us listen to things and he was like really into the high note thing and Maynard mm-hmm. Ferguson and, mm-hmm. and all that. And it's like a you know, like a thirteen year old kid, you hear someone squealing on the trumpet and it sounds exciting and, and oh I wanted to do that. And mm-hmm. yeah, he, he pointed me in a few directions and got me hooked up with uh Fred Forney and Grant Wolf um at Mace Community College and Young Sounds, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um yeah, he he was he was an amazing player. Mm-hmm. So so kind of your your typical kind of band experience in in high school. Yeah, and and was the was it when did your personal musical taste change? Like when did you find your music? Yeah, um, because I'm assuming it wasn't Neil Diamond and Steppenwolf. Yeah, I mean, I dug that stuff, and I still, sure. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of Neil Diamond uh, so much anymore, but I love Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, um, and there were horns in those in the, in those productions. Yeah, so like the 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 boxer, like mm-hmm. the first time I mm-hmm. heard that and was able to like hear and understand the lyrics, like I cried. Yeah. I was a little kid, and I was like crying. Really? Yeah, like this whole story about this this man that was just beaten down and beaten down and beaten down. Like, yeah. but he still like tried like that yeah. connected with me huh. as like an eight year old or something. It still does today. Like, and there's like that whole symphonic sound yes. at the end of it. Oh, yeah. Huge. And I mean, and I, I, we don't have to dwell on Simon and Garfunkel, but I do think about some of those production choices mm-hmm. and think ah, that's a little out of left field, mm-hmm. you know, with the can and specifically in that song, it's yeah. like, it's a little strange, but it, I mean, it fucking works, yeah. right? And I, but 
bro, I sing that song probably, I don't know, half a dozen times a month. Cool. And it, but I, I, I resonate with another line. Um, he's talking about, um, uh, I am just forward. Uh, something about uh, the, the whores on Seventh Avenue. Right. You know, I was like, oh my God, this is like this is like some sexy business that I don't know about quite yet, but I'm sure, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> right. But I didn't have any. That last verse is the I am just a boxer, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that 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 one doesn't resonate so much with me, but <clears throat> that was also big in my house and and certainly resonated. Uh, and and I think inspired a love of harmony, um, less so production, mm -hmm. right? Um, all right, so high school jazz band as well. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, um, I had a bunch of people uh, tell me, like my first jazz album was um, a Wynton Marsalis thing, and I didn't, I it just went way over my head. Mm -hmm. um, and then in high, that was in middle school. And then in high school, someone, someone in the, I think it was our piano player and our jazz band was like, you need to listen to Miles Davis. Oh, Jesus. And I was like, okay. And so like, I went to, you know, um, Sam Goody or whatever. And I had like 20 bucks. Right. And I wanted the most bang for my buck. So I saw this double CD of Miles Davis. And I was like, I don't know anything about, it, you know, and I had this crazy cover art, um, mm -hmm. and this wild painting and, and I, and, and the title of it. Oh, it was wild, and I was like, "Whoa, this is kind of risque for yep. jazz." It's called yep. "Bitches Brew." Love it. And I bought that. And I brought it home. And am I? Are, am I allowed to curse on this? You can curse okay. up a storm. All right, I, sailor shit. All right. I yeah, mean, yeah, really okay. dig in. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just like, turn it on the first five minutes. I was like, "What the fuck is this? This yeah. is trash. It's oh, no garbage." <laughs> like, I was like, "My, this is stupid." Like what? This is just That's noise, so you know. And but first of all, I love your economy. Like you're like, listen, I have twenty bones. I'm not going to get his most celebrated record. I didn't even know what that. I didn't. Right. I knew not. I was just right. like, let right. me get the most music for my, I, for, 20 my bucks. for my twenty bucks. I love it. You know. I yeah. love it. And you are come with bitches, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, wow, this is this is Miles Davis sucks. Like this is noise. <laughs> And then, and then a year later, I think that was my freshman year. A year later, someone was like, "You need to listen to Kind of Blue," mm -hmm. and I bought that and immediately fell in love with it. Mm. And and was like, it changed everything. Everything, yeah, because everything up until that point, I had heard about of like trumpet playing really was faster, louder, higher. Um, so who would that have been then? Maynard Ferguson, okay, like all a bunch like of like Dizzy, yeah, 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 Dizzy, um, like. Just, yeah, um, like a lot of like Broadway show kind right. of thing, big right. bands, right. you know, like Stan Kenton kind of stuff. Got you. And then like all of a sudden there's this like really cool and vulnerable sounding Bro. like person on this instrument. And that's, that changed everything. And Can I just share my first experience with Kind of Blue? Mm -hmm. It was 1994. I was studying in Germany. And I was at a friend's party. There was a little house party. And someone, <clears throat> I don't even remember why they had this record. I think it was, it, it was my buddy's dad who had this record. And I, maybe I had heard of it. I don't even know why. But I took this CD. And he, had, uh, he has uh, two younger siblings. And the only available room was his sister's 
uh, room. And she was in a crib, I think still at this point. And that was the only place to sit. So I'm sitting in my buddy's younger sister's crib and I shut the door and I put on kind of blue and I was mesmerized from the first tentative note. I became a trumpet player. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I fell in love with that. Yeah. In jazz. I mean, really, that was like, talk about the greatest gateway drug. That was it. Kind of blue. Stop yep. me from enjoying the party. And I just listened to that record over and over. And at some point I come out and I, and I think I took that from him. <laughs> I think I took yeah. that CD home. Yeah. I was like, this is mine now. I'm so sorry. Right. <laughs> you know, but holy shit, that record. All right. So how did that inform a young kid playing? I mean, did you start to emulate that? Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. it was like really accessible too, mm-hmm. which like, I mean, you, you know, like Miles, he, on that album, he doesn't no. play fast no. at all. And I could understand like, and it's modal for oh. the I mean, it's, they say it's modal, but I mean, there's a few tunes that are, that are modal, but like it, it just, and, and really just the, even today, I appreciate trumpet players that are just burning, you mm-hmm. know, like, but mm-hmm. like, technically speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Right. My, like my, all my desert Island trumpet players and recordings are, are trumpet players that are aren't great trumpet players but they hmm. sound like vulnerable and they play quiet hmm. and there's like some they're they like bleed when give they me play. some examples uh so miles um there's some chet baker recordings wow. especially after he got all his teeth busted out right. um there's a trumpet player named tomas stanko um who passed away a few years ago uh, but he he did a, a, a bunch of recordings with uh ecm and what's that uh, ECM is a, it's like a European jazz label. I, I, hmm. It's even, they do some like classical things as well. Uh, but it's, it's almost become a, its own style of music. Like if hmm. you say ECM jazz, people have an idea of like what it's going to sound like. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah. Like the first note he plays on this, this album called, um, Lontano, it just, every single time it breaks my heart. Hmm. It's, I mean, and it comes in and just, I mean, he comes in, it's, and mm-hmm. 60% of his sound is air. Mm-hmm. And it, man, I'll, I'll send you a link to it. Please and do. It's like something you have to like, you can't listen to it when you're like doing dishes. You got to like right. sit down. It's got to be night. Right. You right. know, like right. nothing Some else is happening. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, Dave Douglas, you know. Oh, I really like his playing. I like the way uh, he, he phrases things and the way, especially he ends his phrases because it's 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 never. Um, I don't want to say it's not right, but it's always correct.
straddling technical playing proficiency versus emotion and attitude maybe mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and that's i mean that's i think for a few reasons i am either the first trumpet player that people in this town call or the absolute last uh because I, there, I, like my technical proficiency is like there are you know a dozen players in town that are like way better than me. But I think the one thing I like, you know, claim to do well is like every time I play, uh, I mean it. You emote something. Yeah, you're and not like just I, playing I, the line. Playing with like when I've played with like Sugar Thieves, uh, when I play with No Laz, when I've played mm-hmm. with Bad Cactus, and even the solos in my my big band that I, you know, I I I claim. Um, they're all, it's all bluesy. It's all, it's like, um, I, my, my entire job is to emote. Mm-hmm. I don't have mm-hmm. a strong harmonic language. Um, hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't like, I haven't, I'm not a jazz player. Hmm. Um, so the things I like, no laz is, I mean, it's all new Orleans mm-hmm. funk mm-hmm. and it's right. one, four, one, four, one, four, one, four. And like, I, I love doing that because I don't have to think, right. You know, and right. I just have, my whole job is to emote and huh. I, I gravitate towards, I mean, I appreciate all the other stuff like, like Winton and Freddie Hubbard and Lee Morgan and Dizzy and some of the, some of the up and coming guys. I really, I love all that stuff yeah. and, and they're clearly emoting and everything, but, but the guys that I love are that they're just emoting and, and. Yeah, a big part of that is like the trumpet being vulnerable, huh? And and like the fragility and and the transparency you can like you hear it and you're like, oh yeah, this person is is working through some shit. And you know? and but but that's an interesting point because you know the trumpet in a vacuum, classically speaking or traditionally speaking, isn't about emotion necessarily. Yeah, it's a war instrument. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's a call to arms. Yeah. It's more brassier the better. Yep. The shriller the better. Yeah, and I've literally done that. I've literally like um I when I was I was deployed to Iraq in 0405, uh the uh commander would have me like blast trumpet. I'd be on on the gun on the gun truck and have blast the trumpet as we like we went out of the gate. Holy I've shit. I've literally fucking done that. Yeah, I'm not proud of that um and we i don't know if you want to like get into all that but i would love to i mean because this all informs where we are right now right you know right but let's go back let's go back to high school and Mm -hmm. how did hearing miles were you able to to take those lessons and apply it in let's say the high school jazz band and did the director the conductor the the lead cat um, did he see that and support it? Not really. I mean, my both my band directors were really great, um, and I was like really shitty to them because I I was, you know, um, a mass old teenager. I mean, yeah. we all were. Yeah. Let's just put that out there. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, um, but and you know, like they were great at the things they did. Um, jazz was a bit of a you know, it just wasn't so much in their wheelhouse. I, there were two clarinet players I had as band directors. So, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? It's cool. But I was lucky enough to be in young sounds of Arizona. Uh, my first year was with Miles Yo's a uh, young sounds of Arizona. For those of you who don't know, yeah, like I don't a, know what that yeah, is. Yeah. It's an, oh, it's an all, uh, city youth jazz band. Mm. Um, and so not tied to a school. No, 
No, it, it, it's... Um, run Through the City or run, something? Run Through the Union. Oh, Run Through the Union. Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, And, um, you know, like Rachel Eckroth was in it. Um, there's a, like a bunch of other people. Uh, James Casey, who's who's now like killing on the road. I think he's he's played with Beyonce. I mean, there's a bunch hmm. of like players that have come through that and... Uh, Wade Isinger, who played with Casey in the Sunshine Band. Um, so heavies. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was a really great program. Miles Yos uh, was the um, the director of it my first year. And then the second year, Hugh Lovelady took over. Um, and I think I was in it three years when he was in. And Hugh Lovelady was the former lead alto player of the house band at Caesars Palace and played with... Uh-huh. Sinatra and Elvis and like wow. everyone. Wow. And what, did you get to pick her brain? Uh Hugh. Hugh, sorry. Hugh. No, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And and the greatest the, the great thing about Milas was great. Um I but I wasn't there that long and I was still really young. Uh but the great thing about Huey was that he I don't think he had ever taught kids before. Huh. And he showed huh. up and just like treated us like professionals. Right. Right. And there wasn't, there wasn't, I mean, if, if, if we, there wasn't any room for any like kid shit. Right. <laughs> and, and, but he didn't, he never said that. He right. just, he just treated it. He just right. talked to us like, and, and at least for me, it was, it was the first time that anybody had, had done that. Like huh. some adult with, with a good deal of experience treated me as a peer as a colleague and and you know if if someone if someone fucked up he he would let him know huh. but he you know he wasn't like it wasn't a punishment or whatever he right. was just like you're not you need to take care of business like huh. you're you're a professional yeah like get it together that's awesome yeah and that's what we recorded a cd that got like really rave reviews and downbeat and um how awesome is that man? yeah and I'm still proud of that record today. I threw it when I was teaching at NAU last year, an uh, interim position, the, the second jazz band there. I, we played one of the tunes off that. We were playing one of the tunes off that album, and I and I had them listen to it without telling them anything about uh-huh. it. And I was like, "What do you What do y'all think?" And they're they're talking about, "Oh, this happened and that happened." I was like, "Yeah, those are a bunch of like high school kids." And right. they're like, "What?" Yeah. Like, yeah. How big was, was that band? How big is it? Seventeen pieces. Okay, so enough. I mean, you could even deliver some big band shit, but also do kind of some more delicate, yeah, jazz yeah. forward. Let's but, call yeah. it. Yeah, but at that point, like I was, I was, I was the lead player, and so yeah. it was like louder, faster, higher kind of stuff. And this is in addition to being a part of the high school, high school yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah, 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 the yeah. the jazz band, the concert band, marching band. Unfortunately, yeah, know, it was sort of a requirement. That's that. That's what they do. Yeah. It's like if you want to be in the jazz band, you got to do all this other yeah. shit. <laughs> and I'm I'm not here to like I I yeah, I um yeah, lots of people love marching band, it just wasn't my thing. <laughs> so what happens um after high school? Did you do the ASU thing? No, I went to MCC. Um I was just studying privately with Fred Forney, who is a trumpet teacher uh at at MCC. Hmm. He recruited me there. And at the time, that was like um, that was kind of the only place you could get a commercial slash jazz education. Um, I remember they, him and Hugh Lovelady was teaching there too. And so was Grant Wolf. Um, and they would, they would take us out of some of us out of classes, uh, and, and put us on real gigs. No shade. It was like part of our education. Yeah. yeah. So we'd be down at like auction or, yeah. or whatever. And these like 
like the Harry James Ghost Band, and it, huge, huge. I mean, I, yeah, I think that should be sort of a requirement yeah, for agreed. You know, for, for anyone studying music, yeah, learn the performance side of it, learn the economy of it, right, and understand what it looks like on a day to day. Yeah, but but at what point did you realize that being a trumpet player could be a career could support your lifestyle because that came very late for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was going to be a professional trumpet player when I was like 16. Like that's that, what I was going to do. You're like, this is me now. Yeah. 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 And wow. for better and worse. Right. You know, like I think at such an early age like that, um, me being me playing trumpet like it wasn't me playing trumpet. It was like, I am a trumpet player, right? That's who I am. And right. it defines me and right. how I play reflects on me as a person. Huh. And like this really not, Whoa. I think like not healthy relationship with it. Well, and, it's funny that you say that. And this is something and we're, we're bro. We're jumping around, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so attached to myself as a performing musician that when the pandemic came around and we were locked down, I didn't know who I was. Right. Right. And so I see that unhealthy relationship. I understand what that means, yeah. you know, but, um, all right. So fucking 16 years old and I'm going to be a Trump player. So did you, under, did you understand, <laughs> did you understand what that meant? I mean, at the time, yeah, yeah. because there was lots of work. Right, exactly. Uh, there, right. Like, this, big bands were still, like, having a circuit around, like, the ghost bands. There was still a lot of shows at Gamage. There was, right. you know, and I was being groomed for all of that. Right. Um, so and, did, you, did you do the whole MCC program? Was, is that a two-year program? Uh, so, Ish. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh... I got, uh, I got kicked out of MCC twice. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Oh, Fred my. and Grant and Huey. I was like, um, I'm so I'm I'm a recovering addict, alcoholic. I've been sober for twenty twenty two years now. Congratulations! Um, oh, thanks. But um, yeah. I just like I was just kind of a piece of shit and like quickly just went down, down, down until until they they were like, hey. The first time they're like, go figure stuff out, and then yeah. I sort of did, and then I came back and immediately just fell back into it, and 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 they were like, you no. What was it? If you don't, if you're comfortable talking about, oh this, yeah, yeah, yeah. What what was it? I mean, that was it. The lifestyle was it. Being in bars at that age was it? I think I think it was uh, it was self medicating. Yeah. Like I remember the first time I got I, 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 I got high smoking weed. I I mean looking back, I it was it was like the first time I had felt not bad hmm. in in years. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And why you, wouldn't you want to do more of that? Exactly. Yeah. May I ask what it was that you felt bad about? Oh, there's all kinds of like you know, I'm sure there's like some some chemical imbalances um i think um so my my birth mother smoked and drank during the uh during the pregnancy and even in the 70s people like knew better sure, so there's right. probably some some like genetic component to it um but that's sort of not addressing the question but but yeah i mean there was there was some environmental yeah physiological like, yeah i was like okay. a awkward kid again the only thing right. that i had like 
Oh, right. at least I felt I had was music. Yeah. And, and sometimes that wouldn't go good right. and, or whatever. And it's just like, you know, just a really like confused kid and, and had, had been pretty sheltered, like growing up. And, mm. um, and, and so I think part of it was like, was rebellious, but yeah, I, I think I, I was like, I just didn't feel good about life. Hmm. And then this chemical like changed and then like more chemicals make, made right. it feel even better. And, right. and, and, you know, it's just snowballed. Yeah. And then it's just, you know, it stops working. I hope you're enjoying this podcast with Kevin. Thank you for listening to So The Story Goes. If you want to send me some comments, just email me. So The Story Goes at BrianChartrand.com. Let's get back to my conversation with great trumpet player, Kevin Tagney. All right, so things didn't go as planned yeah. at MCC. Yep. And what happens after that? And what year is this? This is 2000. Okay. Um, so I got sober and then um, did like the 30-day thing and then went out to uh, Southern California um, and uh, like halfway houses there and um, was there for about a year and a half and uh, joined the Army. Um can, yeah. I, can we talk about that decision? Yeah. Um, it was just right after 9-11. <laughs> um, I was like, I wasn't playing my horn. I wanted to go back to school. And I, I found out the army had bands. Mm-hmm. And so I went to a recruiter. I said, I play trumpet. I like to join the band. He's like, great. And I was like, well, cool. Is there any, um, you know, is there any chance I'll ever be like deployed? And, and he was like, are you kidding me? Like if the band gets deployed, like, the United States is in a world of shit. And like my car just broken. I just had no money. And like, yeah, I was like, I needed, I needed a way out. So, mm-hmm. um, went to basic training, uh, went to, uh, this little mu- music school that they have. Um, and then was stationed in Germany. Whereabouts? Um, are you familiar with where Nuremberg is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a town North of there, like half an hour on the Autobahn called Bomberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stationed there. It was great. Loved it. We did a lot of like playing in the in the community, beer fest and and things like that. Can I ask you um because beer and schnapps is such a big part of German culture, mm-hmm. was that was that a challenge? Not really. No, I no. was like I I just looked at it like poison sort of. Mm-hmm. You know, I had like a strong foundation in sobriety and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean it was like kind of a bummer because like Bomberg is really known for its beer. Mm-hmm. Um and so I was like in the beer capital of the beer capital Basically. of the world, you know, and <laughs> Yeah. And you know, like they had like Rauch beer, which is yeah. like smoked beer, yeah. and like it, everybody said it tastes like bacon, and and <laughs> like I was like mildly curious, and it was kind yeah. of a bummer, but like yeah. it just wasn't you know yeah it wasn't, wasn't worth, worth it. it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so all right so nine eleven happens you enlist in the army not because I was any kind of a patriot or anything like that I just again I needed a way out it was a job yeah and did you play. Trumpet in, in, yeah. in, in, in okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so how long we, did you enlist for? Four years. Wow. So I spent a year and a half in, in Germany, uh, with a band, uh, and then playing what sort of gigs, uh, there was like a jazz band. There was a concert band. We did a lot of like change of command ceremonies for gotcha. the military, like marching band mm-hmm. nonsense. Um, 
Yeah. Back just, to the marching band. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was, I mean, the military stuff wasn't a lot of fun, but like playing out for Beer Fest was, I mean, we got treated mm-hmm. like rock stars. I mean, yeah. we, we would play like Glenn Miller's In the Mood, you know, and people would go fucking nuts over it. Yeah. Right? It was, yeah. yeah. Did you notice that? <clears throat> That the Germans, on a level, really appreciate Western music, specifically yeah, yeah. American yeah, popular absolutely. music. Americans playing American music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Back to, as you say, like the 20s, Glenn Miller. Yeah. There's something, and, and, and maybe we can tie this to, you know, post-World uh, War II, American mm-hmm. radio from the, from the, from the bases, we're inspiring kids in in the sixties, you know. So, I, I've I've felt that too. Yeah, you know, anything authentically American performed by Americans is gold. Yeah, and you will be given the keys to the city. Yeah, and we didn't even sound good. <laughs> you know, what was the level of competence, kind of musically speaking? Um, imagine like really good high school players that like didn't for the most part uh that weren't good enough to like be professionals and were you older hobby were you older than the the kids or in the middle i mean like no i mean you know i was 22 when i joined okay Uh, so yeah you were a kid too at that point yeah, 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 yeah 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 so all right so four years bouncing around but you 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 saw active yeah uh, we got deployed in 2004, um, and it's a big long story about like the band was just like horribly unprepared for war. Um, well, hold on, how could a band be prepared for war? Right. Um, I just remember we had our war fighter training. A big part of it was PowerPoint slides. Jesus. Um, we a combat arms guy came in and talked about how to deal with an ambush. <laughs> and um, to how to return fire and, and fire sectors and, and all this. And, and we got done and he left. And one of our NCOs said, don't, don't do what he said. Just hide and <laughs> let the combat arms people take care of it. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, like this has nothing to do with like the mission or patriotism or like, like I was like, you're like, I'm going to defend myself. And there, right. I mean, there's a whole context of whether or not there was appropriate. And I don't think it was that we were there and whatever, but mm-hmm. like at the time, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I went down, you know, to hit anything reliably past 75 yards. You should have 75 meters. You should have like your weapon zeroed, um, for you. And like my weapon wasn't, we just didn't take the time to do that. They didn't teach you how to do that. No, well, I mean, they taught us how to do it, but they just didn't give us the opportunity to go to the range to zero oh. in. Oh, the first day down there, the first sergeant takes apart the first sergeant, who's supposed to be the most squared away person in the unit, takes apart his M16 to clean it, and then doesn't know how to put it back together again, which is mm. wild because to this day I could still like blindfolded field strip and reassemble an M16, you know. It, the most basic, basic things that you need to know if you're like the most basic shot at. combat shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. So when did you learn that way? In- basic training, yeah. you know. And I was, I had kind of just come. I mean, he had been in the military for you know, like sixteen or seventeen years, and had always been in the band. So he'd hmm. never, you know, hmm. really didn't have to do that. Hmm. And I just right. sort right. of just come from basic training. And and about a weekend, uh, another first sergeant from another unit was like, "Hey, I need bodies." Um, we need, we need help with our unit and I volunteered. And so I, 
I was like helping um, provide, quote, an alternative to the insurgency for a young Iraqi male. So we would pay them to do backbreaking work, uh, $10 a day, um, to, so they wouldn't be fighting us. Right. Um, I helped out in the motor pool. I ran, uh, weapons ranges like, uh, and then my captain found out that I could shoot. Uh, and then he stuck me on top of a Humvee with, you know, either 240 Bravo or 50 Cal. And, and I started running convoys oh my God. in Tikrit, in and out of Tikrit, Iraq. And the, yeah, it was not, <laughs> that's not what I you signed, signed up, up for. Yeah. 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 But you know, I like sort of bought into the, the, you know, I mean, I, some, one of my NCOs said, we're, you know, like whatever you think you're here for, like, at least we're fighting, you were fighting the terrorists here instead of like fighting them at home. And I was like, well, okay. Um, and yeah, it was like pretty, it was like pretty awful. Is that supposed to put you at ease or make you feel better? I don't understand what that comment even, I mean, cause I was like, do you think like there's WMDs here? And he was like, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. And then like, do you think like, you know, like he, Oh, he's asking you, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you think right got you and 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 like we were there um during um abu Ghraib. yeah like abu Ghraib happened i mean that was like not far away from us oh my god and it was it was fucked up i mean we were like we were i mean there was just some awful things that happened yeah. that i that i i helped do like i did some really terrible shit yeah you know and um yeah, that's that. I mean, I don't, I regret what I did, but I don't regret like I, that. That year has made me the person I am today. Right. And like what I, like I've, I've really tried to, in everything I do, I've tried to be like 180 from that. Right. You right. Know? <clears throat> I mean, there's a ton to unpack mm-hmm. and, and as I mentioned to you on the break, you know, my father enlisted in Vietnam and came home and we never really spoke about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I obviously don't know him prior to that experience. I only know him post Vietnam. Right. And and it was never really something that we spoke about. There were some some stories that, you know, late after dinner was done, We'd be sitting around and someone would ask him, I was too, I was the, I'm the youngest of three boys, right? So I didn't even really know what that was, but I would just hear the adults speaking and he would relay some stories, but I'm always curious who he was before that. And if it did change him, how it changed him, right? How would you, can you, can you describe that? I mean, yeah. being being in active combat, how did it change you? And and ultimately, as a trumpet player, did it affect how you play trumpet or maybe view the trumpet? Or, you know, was there any kind of like seismic change beyond the physicality of being there and, and, and the emotion of being there? Because you're a sensitive cat, as am I. We emote mm-hmm. for a job. How did it affect you? Yeah, so I went in as... Um a liberal Democrat. Um, well, coming from Portland, right? I mean, right. Here my, we are. My, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and like, I never touched a gun before right. in my life. No um, shit. Yeah. Um, and like I always say, it's like nothing like 
being in a combat zone to, to turn you into an anarchist or to radicalize you. And right. that's what's happened. Right. Um, like I, you know, I, it's no, I'm pretty open with my politics and, and I mean, it took a while after that deployment for that, that change to occur, hmm. but, um, but it certainly radicalized me. And like once I, I, I was able to sit for years with the totality of, of me being there and what I had done and, and hmm. kind of like work through it. Um, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I, 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 oh, what's the word? I, I reject everything that the, all the presuppositions that, that and justifications people like of, of most mainstream political ideology in the United States hmm. used to justify that even, hmm. even the liberal side, you know, like, mm -hmm. I mean, most, most motherfuckers in, in Congress voted for, for that war, right. that action, you know, right. and it's not just the neocons, right. You know, so I, you know, the, 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 the appetite for, for, um, outsourcing of violence in America is huge. Right. And I, I just, I, I, face with with the the reality of that I, I i i absolutely reject it and fight against it and like as much as i possibly can while realizing that i'm a oh, while i'm a part of the system and i do contribute to it in 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 ways that you know if i if i if i didn't and if i if I lived my values out, like I'd be dead in a week, right. you know? Right. It, yeah. But you have a very unique perspective on all of this shit. Not only as, you know, you're, you're a musician who goes to war. Mm -hmm. I mean, those, those two things are kind of diametrically opposed. And how do you even reconcile those two experiences? And I know that you don't take working as a trumpet player working as a musician for granted but but you know on a day-to-day -day basis you're dealing with having gone to war which not a lot of people can do or have done and now you are a musician and and how do you not maybe not reconcile but how do you put those two things in compartments or do they just live together like i, I mean I, this is like it's a string. It's not even a linear question, so I apologize. No, no, no. But it's but it's really like a, it's like a reckoning. Like I went through this crazy, tragic, emotional experience, and now I'm supposed to come home and just play trumpet f for a living and think that none of this should ever happen. Yeah, and I mean I, that's fucking yeah, bananas, a, bro. I, I quit playing trumpet. Right. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I I got back. I got done with my service. This is 2004. I got out in 2006. Went okay. back to MCC. Wow. Um, Jesus. Just struggling as like a civilian. Yeah. And finished up the musical part of my degree. I got a music a, a degree in music education. I finished up the music part um, at at MCC and then quit playing trumpet. Um, wow. For a variety of different reasons, but partly just like I I was just lost. Right. You know. Um, and from there, like I started, um, long story short, I started, uh, guiding whitewater and four by four and, and hiking trips in Moab, Utah, not had, not having anything to do with like playing music. Mm -hmm. And then, and then slowly started like playing like, with rock bands mm. and it was fun. It, like music was mm. fun again. Mm. And then like I, between like quitting trumpet and then doing this other stuff, like going into the desert, like people wouldn't all throughout history when people mm -hmm. have a crisis of conscience they go out into the desert right. and 
you know, go on a journey. Yeah. And I realized that like, I didn't need music. I, huh. I, I don't need it. Huh. And I thought I did. Um, I love music. Well, it was your identity until yeah, yeah, yeah. you said no. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, it was like a really, like you said during, during COVID you, I, I, I didn't have a hard time with that during COVID. Uh. Like not, 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 I mean, it was a bummer. I wasn't working. I like to work. Right. I like, I like playing music, but like I had done that before uh-huh. and it, you know, there's a whole bunch of like terrible things that happened during COVID, but like that part of it wasn't what I wasn't like. You didn't just, lose your identity. You didn't yeah, lose your sense of right. self. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause you had other things that. You had been pursuing and, yeah. and felt passionate about yeah. and activism and, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I, um, would just moved in with my, my girlfriend. Um, and you know, I was really, we really enjoyed the time we had hmm. with each other and, and, um, yeah, I just, um, and there was so much like the George Floyd protests oh, like, yeah. happened Crazy. and I just like, you know, like I can, I can do that. I can, <laughs> I can step away from music. Yeah. 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 As much as I, I mean, I do, it's, I love playing music, Yeah, but I don't, I, I don't, if it's not there, if my face got crushed in a, in a, in a, in a car wreck tomorrow, that sucks. Right. But like, I'm not going to go through this existential crisis of, hmm. you hmm. know, hmm. all right. So 2006, you come back, you step away, you start to do I mean, I would assume that that was employing a lot of the skills that you learned in the army. Yeah, it was like everything, everything, everything I you love. It was like the doing the guiding thing you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was um, high stakes. I mean, so we were we were rafting. Get up on it if you would. Oh yeah, sorry. That's we were we were um, we were rafting the biggest commercially rafted whitewater in in North America. Um, and so there was like a danger component to there. How did, how did you get that gig or why did you seek it out? Uh, a friend of mine, we were backpacking buddies. He moved up to, to Moab to do that. He invited me up. I got on the river and in 10 seconds, I was like, I this know what I'm it. doing next summer. Wow. You know, and that turned into, that was two, my first year of guiding was 2010. And then in my last year guiding was 2017 and wow. every year was going to be my last season. But yeah. I just that that whole canyon country, the four corners area is like home now, especially wow. in Moab. And you know, like it, it, I was like in like dangerous situations, um, sometimes life threatening. Uh, but I was like making people happy, and I was taking care of people, yeah. and I was like, like you, you go on on five day trips when it's just you and the customers, and you like you start talking, and like right. I don't want to call it therapy, but people. You get into some shit. No, but that's what it is. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. And you like work through these things and people like ask you like wild questions and you, and you, you know, like you get to respond and what's your journey. Tell me about yeah. your journey. Yeah. I mean, you know, you were making sure they were safe and I'm sure that mm-hmm. they would want to know who is this guy, right. you know, like what are your, what are your credentials? Yeah. Can you take care of us? Right. You know, yeah, yeah. That sort of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then they dig a little deeper and they hear about kind of blue. They hear that you're a trumpet player. There's a, there's a humanity there mm-hmm. and, and a real life experience in, in going to war. Jesus. I mean, that's, again, that's not something that many people can talk about right. in a way, right. Mm-hmm. To, to civilians. Right. Yeah. All right. So 2017. And by the way, I, I hope you don't feel like I'm just glossing. No, over no, no, anything. no, 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 no
Yeah. Good. Um, because this is, honestly, this is fascinating. Um, 2017, you decide that you're done in Moab and you move back to Phoenix then? Yeah, my back decided I was done. Guiding. Okay. Yeah, I herniated disc and yeah. Um, There's a physicality to it that... Yeah. 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 Um, and, and just really quickly paint a picture of like what a normal day would be when you're leading... Yeah, so um, like a multi-day trip is your you wake up at at five in the morning making coffee. You, you, you coffee's ready. You out the people like coffee's ready, and then and then you you feed them the the, the groceries in the morning. Mm-hmm. You 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 pack up camp. What let's say it's how a, many people? It was small. We were a small company uh, at the time. Um, so in like a four by four trip, like a five day four by four trip, there's like at most three people. Okay. Uh, so pack everything up on, on like the whole kitchen, pack it up into the rig and then, and then drive, uh, crazy four wheel driving stuff. Um, and then get, you know, serve them lunch, get packed that back up, drive, do a big long hike. Um, and you're cooking as well. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Um, get back, drive to the, the camp spot for the night, set up the kitchen again, cook them dinner put start putting away dinner and then everybody wants to talk until it's like you know midnight and you're looking at the stars and i mean it's cool but then mm-hmm. you put them to bed and then you know you finish cleaning up camp right. and then and then you wake up at five in the morning and you just do that day like every day for from uh, like the middle of april till the middle of october just every Damn. single day just boom 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 what do you think it is about that work that experience that 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 got you um first of all it's it's beautiful it's the most beautiful place in the world yeah um and you know like i i used to say like my favorite thing was being out there but that's not i I loved uh, i love teaching right um i the one of the best feelings in the world is is when you're teaching someone and and their eyes light up and they get it Mm. you know and when you're out in Canyon country every day, you're, you're seeing that just mm. people are like, Oh my God, how does this, this, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And then you turn the corner and it, it fucking happens again right. and again and again. And it's just like this validation that mm. feels really good. Um, and then the physicality of it, you know, um, I was in, I was in great shape. Like one of the last multi-day trips I did was with this customer who was in good shape as well. And he's like, I want to see everything. Um, so on the last day we like hiked uh, like 24 and a half miles, Jesus, just like pounding it out, was trying to show him, you know, everything. And, and, and it was just another day. It felt so good <laughs> eating right. Right. Eat, you know, like extra, I mean, you're exercising all day long. Yeah. You're, if you're rowing a boat, I mean, you, yeah, it's like a, you're rowing a ton of gear and right. you know, it's just, crazy and he, i i lived in a broken down school bus in the boatyard so i was outside all of the time and yeah huh. just vitamin d and 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 future skin cancer you know <laughs> what, do, do you think um part of that part of the need for you to do that was in reaction to what you had just absolutely through? Yeah, yeah 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 i needed to, especially the beginning when i was guiding i needed um I needed adrenaline and a and and a, mm. and a like a, mm. a what I thought at the time was like a real like like when you're in charge of when you have like the power of life or death over someone like you do in war that that's like that's 
that imprints, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. And and it and it almost I don't know if it's a drug or whatever, but but you're like I'm and then you come back in the civilian world and you're not important anymore. Hmm. And so the guiding, it sort of like became like I'm important again hmm. because these people are absolutely relying on me to the point where some of them just turn into children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, these CEOs right. of who are making like these gajillions like, of dollars, life changing decisions right. for people. Right. They like, they're like, well, should I set up my tent over here or should I send it up over here? You know? And you go, okay. Like right. you have to teach them how to wash dishes, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, crazy, but it, it was, it was fun. The people I guided with will will be lifelong friends forever. I trust them like implicitly with you know like. I mean, in, in some sense, it is kind of like going to war. So, I, mean, I mean, you need people to have your back. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah, There's yeah, that. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, it's it literally is not people shooting at you, but you need you need a crew and you need to trust that crew. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, I, I still feel like that we could unpack that whole thing fun, yeah. for hours and hours. I mean, I miss I, it. It's the best job I'll ever have. No shit. Yeah, yeah. And you weren't you weren't playing trumpet at that I, time. I would come back and play during the winter. Yeah. Um, with, I was playing with Bad Cactus Brass Band a lot. Um, but uh, you know, it was it was at that time it was a job, and yeah, I just couldn't wait to get back to to guiding again. So I feel like, you know, just. Just rapping about your life, I, I, I get the sense that there are chapters when you engage in music and when you disengage. And, and, and similar to me in, in the sense that I come at it and then I can, I leave it and then I, whether I want to or not, and I can look at my life in chapters. Now, what does the next chapter look like for you? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well... And, and, and not everyone has the answer to that, but what do you want it to be? Yeah. Um, I think about that a lot. I mean, I run, I run, uh, uh, 17 piece jazz orchestra, the new guard, big band. Um, I, every time I started it a year and a half before the pandemic mm-hmm. and just as I was getting traction, the pandemic hit with that. And, and then each time since I feel like when I'm starting to get traction again, something happened. Like I caught mm. COVID and, and mm. I had to take a semester off um, or a, a, a season off. And um, and so I'm, I'm doing that again. I'm starting to feel like I'm going to have traction again. But mm-hmm. um, well, know, we both I, know that, that it's it, it, being a musician is fairly tenuous. Right? Yeah. It, and, it, and the wind could change and our job could be gone. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. understanding that, you know. Yeah. Um, I've, I've started, um, I've started a organization that goes, uh, north to wilderness areas, north of the U S and Mexico border. Um, and we, uh, during the summer, we hike gallons of water out into the desert for migrants. Um, that, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a thing. Um, and what is that? What is that organization? It's called the abolitionists. Search and rescue recovery. Hmm. The other part of our job during the during the cooler months is searching for migrants who are possibly in need. But really, what it turns into is searching for for remains hmm. Um, to hmm. to begin the process of repatriation back to their Jesus. families. Um, Can I ask? Is that is that supported by the state of Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I mean, I don't mean to laugh like it's it's trivial, but no, no, I can't imagine that. I mean, like, depending on where we are, and I don't, uh, the legality of, of, I mean, we're essentially littering. Uh-huh. And, and it's since there's a, 
some people got in trouble for it um, a few years ago, and I think it's been agencies are looking the other way because cracking down on people that are like activists um, who are trying or humanitarians that are trying to give people water. It's just like a is bad PR, right? Um, right. So, we're, huh. but I've tried. I've really tried to to stay away from um, like any like border patrol and mm. anything like that. Um, have you had any run-ins with them? I have. Yeah. Uh, was out one time out in the Cabeza Prieta out in the middle of, of, of nowhere with, with another friend of mine and we, uh, border, it was at night, we were hiking through the night. Um, and well, we just saw a truck and headlights coming right at us. And, and in that part of Arizona, you also have to worry about white nationalist militias. Oh. Uh, and they, that's, you know, they take pot shots at people all the time. They no run shit. people off the road. It's like, it's, the border's a fucking war zone. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's crazy. Um, huh. But it, this turned out to be border patrol. They identify themselves as border patrol. Okay. We're, we're, you know, relatively safe. And they're like, oh yeah, we saw you guys on satellite. We're just trying to figure out what you're doing. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's militarized yeah. like crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, Jesus, man. And you know, it's cartel. We, we're, <clears throat> right. we always know that we're being watched by cartel. Yeah. Um, and, um, I, I never worry about cartel never because they're, they're not interested in Because if they mess with us, then they have to assume that law enforcement will be called because of the way we look and they don't want. So, you know, I don't worry about them. Huh. I don't worry about you know, migrants or the coyotes that are bringing them across. I don't worry about, um, I mean, border patrol has not harassed us per se. Um, I'm always leery of them. Right. Um, but, but certainly like the, the white nationalist militias are, they're alive and well. And, 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 you know, there are, I am I am positive there are uh links between them and law enforcement, wow. border patrol and, and local sheriffs and, and, and whatever. Oh my god. It it's it's so heavy. How do you I just you know, again, I use the word reconcile, but how do you how do you hold both things in equal weight? How do you hold the heaviness of your experience and what you're trying to do now? And then on the weekends get to play trumpet. Like it, it, I'm, it would fuck with my, it's fucking with my mind. How do you, do you compartmentalize or do they just all have to exist in the same place? I think they have to exist in the same place. Like, like, um, I am not, um, how do I say this? Um, it's like, it's something I have to do. Mm -hmm. Like I, Mm -hmm. I, um, again, being radicalized and all that. Uh, and, and this specific work I'm doing, like the only thing I do well, I claim to do well in this world is to walk quickly through the desert with lots of weight on my back for hmm. long distances. Hmm. Um, and so it's my skill set. I know hmm. how to do it. I have to, I have to do it. Um, hmm. and then, you know, like music kind of makes people happy, but you know, I, I, I try, especially with my big band and I try on gigs to not, um, not bring, that stuff into people's faces. Hmm. Um, but it has, I mean, 
anybody that knows anything about me knows that like on social media and, and whatever it's I'm I'm pretty like in your face with it and well you're outspoken that that that's not you know you have your opinions and we are provided with that space to provide those opinions um I don't t- I don't see that as a knock against you I just see that as someone who recognizes some dualities and recognizes some some things that need to be addressed and things that typically aren't addressed because it's touchy well yeah, and and people are comfortable right you know I I, I just I, you know I yeah um so but if anybody asks me when I'm like working uh, on a on a gig like I'll, I'll talk about Happy it to talk about you it. know yeah but yeah yeah I, there are part of why i'm i'm the either the first trumpet player people call or the last <laughs> is because people know that you right. know like well they get you and that's that's where they don't or they right. don't and there's a lot of musicians in town that that don't and who will not work with me right. and uh, right no, i'm gonna say bro everyone's got that man. yeah i got that you have that every, you know, it's almost like you, you, you're going to, you're good. You're going to break a plate over 20 years of making yeah. music. You, you know, the only thing that you can do is continue to make good music. And, and just as far as that life is concerned, that's all you can do. Yeah. Be cool. Good hang. I'm not going to ruffle any feathers. I'm going to play my shit and I'm going to go home. That's, that's just a, an approach to life. Yeah, you know, for the thing, but uh, you know, again, like there's there's and there's there's people I won't work with. If if, right. if you have an ideal ideology that and you are vocal about it that uh-huh. that promotes harm against like the people that I love, right? Like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out on it for sure, right? And and then and then not. I mean, if if really if if you feel so uncomfortable with me calling you out on it that you don't want to work with me, then then fine. Right. And I've had that. I have, I've had people quit my band because I called out someone for being a racist and the person in my band had more of a problem with the language I used calling out the racist than the actual like language that the racist was using. And right. I was like, fine, go, you know, like right. I'm glad that you're not involved with me anymore. And there's enough work in town. Just go find another gig. Yeah. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. You know, so what are you excited about in, in, in this new year, 2023? What's what's exciting you musically and otherwise? Yeah. Uh, again, I'm excited. My my big band, we've got a, a few dates uh, on the calendar. Remind me what that is the called. The New Guard Big Band. New Guard Big yeah. Band. Okay. Um, we may, we mo- mostly do like Count Basie stuff because that's it. the stuff I love to listen to. It makes me feel really good. Yeah. Um, it's always... Like when I was guiding, I'd be, you know, hiking for miles and, and like my footsteps are like the businessman's bounce, you know, like 136 mm-hmm. to 144. And mm-hmm. it would just get into my head. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I um going to be inviting uh, Gracie J out to play with us again here this summer. Uh, she's a fantastic vocalist from New Orleans. Um, we played at Valley Bar about a year ago. She's like killing. Um, I'm looking forward to, um, yeah, to, like, more work with uh, the Lucky Devils. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, yeah. Because you're, you know, and Nolas. Like, the, yeah. The, I mean, it won't be as much, but I love playing with that band. Yeah. Again, it's it's a chance to emote in a in a groove based. Yeah. 
and, and we were just talking about how great that band is and all yeah. the players and yeah. what a great hang. It, yep. You can feel the love, yeah. you know, just by watching and listening. Uh, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, well, Kevin, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, you too. I, I loved hearing your story and, and being able to dig in a little bit. And um, I wish you success this year thanks and, you too. and 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 peace and and uh i hope that we get a chance to work together at some point on some level yeah doing some whether maybe i'll, I'll hire you to fix the brakes on my car <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 because yeah. i don't know that shit uh, i do that i do it for friends i do it for free so you don't know you know just parts just <laughs> just buy the parts that's right that's right i appreciate your time thank you so much Continued success, and I will see you soon. Yeah, likewise, appreciate you. So the story goes.